the Holy Trinity Upper School Podcast. The following homilies were recorded live in front of our student body at Holy Trinity Episcopal Academy located in Melbourne, Florida. Our chapels exist to proclaim the amazing grace of God in Jesus Christ, and it's our hope that these homilies will provide you with a measure of encouragement and comfort. Thanks for listening. A reading from Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. And then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, well, good morning. I hope you had a great uh, weekend. Um, Quick note, if you are interested in being a chapel leader um, or helping out in chapels or giving, uh, um, you know, just telling me that my homilies are bad every, you know, every time we meet, uh, I'm just kidding. But um, uh, we are going to, we're not meeting Friday uh, because apparently uh, Mrs. King's uh, uh, room has no air conditioning which I cannot imagine something worse in this world than in this state not having air conditioning. So her class is meeting in the small chapel, so we're meeting today in the Ideas Center. So if you want to be a chapel leader, uh, either reading or helping uh, plan chapels, come get your lunch, come to the Idea Center at lunch and find me uh, and we will meet. So that's 9th through 12th. All right, any... Well, no, I'm not going to open it up to announcements. That's my prerogative. Um, okay, well, uh, we are continuing on uh, as we go through. Um, we kind of talked about last week. We're, we're going through the Old Testament. We're kind of getting a lay of the land of what is the story of the Bible? Um, because it is my conviction that the, the Bible tells one uh, long, coherent uh, story. And so last week we talked about that idea of the, the whole Bible is a story rather than kind of piecemeal just taking a verse here and there, but understanding what is the narrative, what is the actual um, uh, story that God is telling. Uh, but secondly, we, we talked about creation and that God, um, what we see from the very, very beginning is that God uh, reaches down into the darkness, into the chaos that kind of uh, exemplifies the world, um, and and he creates. He says, let there be life. And, and what what we're going to skip over is over the course of the next um, few uh, moments in scripture, uh, God is um, taking uh, this, this chaotic, um, dark mess, and he's, he's kind of forming it into things that give life and things where life can, can thrive. And the crowning uh, achievement of his creation, the, the kind of the pinnacle, the moment where it all kind of reaches its, its uh, apex, is, that, um, is when God makes human beings. And what God does when he makes human beings is he says, uh, for the first time, you know, everything else he's been making, you know, he makes like the animals, he makes the fish, he makes the birds. If you're in my, if you're, if you're in my ethics class, we go into this more in detail commercial. Um, some of you are like, don't ever take that class. Okay, uh, but um, each time he says, it, 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 it talks about how he makes them according to their kind. So he makes dogs like dogs, and he makes cats like cats, or whatever. Um, but human beings is the first time where he says, we are going to make human beings in according to our image. And one of the, the foundational ideas of, of scripture is that human beings are, um, are are distinct from the rest of creation in that we, you know, biologically we're made up of the same thing as like, 
I don't know, it's like stardust or something. Ask a science teacher. I don't know anything about it. But uh, yes, biologically, we're very unique. We're, we're very similar to the rest of the world. There's nothing magical about us. But um, only that God has in some way um, uh, signified that we are different in that we are made in his image. So I want to talk about that. What does it mean um, that we are made in the image of God? It doesn't mean necessarily that God, like, looks just like us, because we all look different, first of all. Um, and second of all, God doesn't have a body, except, you know, we'll get to that in Christ, you know, the incarnation, but regardless. Uh, um, wh- what does it really mean that we're made in the image of God? There's three things that I, w- I want to talk about. One, uh, this is a cultural um, idea that in the ancient Near East, in the ancient world, uh, a lot of times what people would do is, what kings would do is, in their kingdom, kind of when you entered in the boundary marker of their kingdom, when you kind of went from the kingdom of Brevard into the kingdom of, uh, what's the next one up? I don't know. Somebody name one. Volusia. Those guys. Uh, no, uh, but when you entered from one kingdom to the next, in order to let you know who's kind of who's the boss here, uh, oftentimes they would put up markers. They would put up like statues of whatever the king of this this province was. And and in, in a way, the, the image of this king um, showed you what whose kingdom you were in. The image of the king showed you who was actually in charge here. And this actually isn't as ancient as you think. There's an old, there's a video that you can find on YouTube of, uh, they kind of, it's like 1080p, redid, whatever, um, uh, of, of uh, post-World War II Berlin. Remember, Berlin's the capital of Germany. Okay, yeah, so we're tracking. Um, and uh, Germany was, one, you know, one of the uh, antagonists in World War II. And afterwards, uh, there, you know, you kind of had both the Allies and, you know, you had the Allies there, you had the British and the Americans, and then you had the Russians. And famously, they divided Berlin in half, you know, Russians. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, well, it does. But uh, there's, a, there's a video of somebody driving their car um, uh, and they're headed towards, and it says on the sign, you are now leaving the British sector, and you drive through to the Russian sector, and on, right when you walk in, there's this huge picture of who? Testing your history. Stalin, right, yeah, because he was the guy. Um, and uh, so it's really not as ancient as you think. I mean, you were driving into the Russian sector of Berlin, and what the, the Russians were communicating there is, this is the guy who's in charge. You are now in this guy's world, you know, so pay attention or, or do as he says. Um, and with Stalin, that was actually doubly important. But uh, the, the idea is still the same. And even like thousands and thousands of years later, we still kind of do some of the same things. Uh, that the image of God was a, the image of a king was a marker of this is the kingdom that belongs to this king. And so what God is doing is he's making not just kings in his image. He's making all people in the image of God. And then he tells them to be fruitful and multiply, uh, which sounds exactly what you think it sounds like, and, uh, and to spread his image over the whole world. In other words, this is a very, very, at the very beginning, it shows what God's mission is, is for him to spread his kingdom and his rule and his reign over all of the earth. And so wherever his image goes, there goes his kingdom. Wherever his image goes, there goes all of the benefits and the blessings of his kingdom. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God being a kingdom of grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness, the, the idea is that human beings were meant to exemplify that into the world. Secondly, 
the image of God shows that, that human beings have a special relationship with God, that God relates to his image in a different way than he relates to the rest of creation. Uh, and so you, to, to God, are not um, on the same level as a cat, which, you know, a cat, I mean, that's way down there, uh, but uh, that, that, that God actually wants to relate with you, that God actually wants to have a relationship with you because you are, are, are made in his image. And the third thing that I want to look at is um, that the image of God um, communicates that human beings, every human being, has inherent dignity and value. Um, and this is not a, um, we, we kind of take this for granted, but this is not a universal concept throughout all of human history, right? Um, that, that all human beings are made in the image of God and all human beings have inherent dignity uh, and value. In fact, um, in other places in the ancient uh, world, the image of God was often used. The image of a God, you know, was often used of people, but it was always kings. You know, the king was made in the image of God. Uh, the king was made in the image of, of this God or that God. Um, but this especially says that all people are created in the image of God, um, which means that every single human being, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter um, uh, you know, what country you're from, no, no matter any of that, um, that, human beings have inherent dignity uh, and value and worth. Uh, I was thinking about this idea of, of just the, the worth that individuals have. Um, and uh, last year in our world, my World Religions class, we watched uh, the movie Schindler's List, which is an old uh, movie uh, by Steven Spielberg about uh, the Holocaust. And it's a powerful film. Um, and at the end of the movie, uh, so basically the movie is about uh, this, this um, Nazi named Oscar Schindler, who uh, at the beginning, uh, as the Holocaust is kind of starting to ramp up, um, and before it's becoming completely aware of, of what actually is ha the atrocity that's happening. Um, uh, he is, uh, he, he's seeing this as a chance for him to profit. And so as, um, as the Jewish people in Poland are stripped of their belongings and, and their rights and all of that, he begins to hire them as um, free labor. Uh, and to begin to drive a huge profit as he's making stuff for the war with free labor. Um, and then something turns for him, and you know you can watch the movie sometime, but um, something turns for him where he starts to realize what's going on, and it starts to move him, and he, the whole rest of the movie is him taking all of the money that he had made off of all of these people, and uh, he begins to hire, um, hire uh, Jews out of the local concentration camp to come and work in his factory so that they wouldn't uh, be killed. And, and throughout the rest of the movie, he spends every single cent he had trying to get people into uh, his factory uh, to work. And, and they ended up making, uh, I think at one point, they start making bullets, but bullets that won't work. And, they, um, and, and they're just making stuff that he can't even sell anymore. They're just piling it in a closet somewhere. Um, and basically, by the end of the movie, he actually saves uh, 1,200, and this is a true story, um, uh, he saves 1,200 Jews um, from, from, uh, from the Holocaust. And at the very end of the movie, um, he's sitting there, and um, the, the, a lot of the people are gathered around him. And he begins to um, weep because he starts to realize the gravity of what happened. 
And even though there are 1,200 people, he, keep, he, starts, he starts looking at things. Um, he starts saying, I, I wasted so much money. I could, have, I could have saved more. I could have saved more. And he, and he looks at his car and he says, this is 10 people. I could have saved 10 more people. And he looks at his little uh, Nazi pin and he says, this is, did I do that? Does that mean? Uh, he says, uh, this is two people. I could have saved two people. Uh, and his uh, kind of assistant, um, kind of the, the head uh, Jewish guy who actually kind of um, uh, is responsible for getting Schindler to, to kind of wake up to what's going on, um, he looks at him and he says this line that I, I've never forgotten. He says, uh, whoever saves one life saves the world. What's he saying there? He's saying that you cannot put a price on, on you know, 1,200, if you saved one from this atrocity, if you saved one from this evil, then you saved the world. In other words, every single human being is worth saving. And maybe that's true for you. you know, maybe you are not um, a forgotten blip on the radar of God. But, but maybe if, if it's true that you are made in God's image, then he takes special notice of you. And that he, um, he has not forgotten you. And, and that if you were the only one, if you were the only sinner in the world, which you're not, but if you were the only one, he still would have sent his son to die for you, even if you were the only one who needed it. Jesus tells stories in the Gospels about um, the good shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one. Because you are made in the image of God. And he will never forget you because you bear his image. You have inherent dignity and value. And he loves you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Holy Trinity Upper School Podcast. Holy Trinity is a K-12 Episcopal school located in Melbourne, Florida. If you'd like more information about Holy Trinity, please visit us at our website at htacademy.org. Thanks for listening.